Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Talk Recorded live. On April the 23rd, 2015, from Coolidge, Arizona. Good evening, folks. Uh, we welcome you on board. Uh, we... Um, <clears throat> we'll not be having a class next Thursday night, nor the following Thursday night, likely. Um, so keep that in mind. If um, I don't know, do we have a way of notifying folks uh, when we'll be back? I'll, I will simply be gone for at least two weeks, <clears throat> and um, then... Um, we only have then a couple Thursday nights left before we close down for the summer. But we'd like to have, uh, I'd like to be through Chapter 12 by that time if we can. Uh, we'll see how it all works out. But for the next two weeks, we'll be offline on Thursday night and uh, as well as uh, on Sundays for a couple of weeks. <clears throat> we're in Chapter 12, and, and we're picking up some things on Verse 5. Uh, let's read it. Uh, I think we've been over the other verses enough to where you have an idea where I'm coming from on them. Uh, and, and she gave birth to a son, a male child, who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. And her child was caught up to God and his, thro- uh, and his throne. <clears throat> a lot of action in this verse. There's the birthing and there's the ruling uh, the shepherding, um, the catching up, uh, or the being caught up. Uh, a lot of things going on in this verse, and uh, there's some clarification needed. Here are some things where we have been to this point, and then we have some further clarifications tonight, and Lana's going to help us with that. She gave birth to a son. And in your Bible, most of the Bibles, it has, a, it has in there a male. Well, the word male is in neuter gender, and it's not referring to him as a boy child. That, that's wrapped up in the word son. But the word that's, really, that's translated male really means uh, one lifting up. Now, that gives us a clue. And I will discuss that here in uh, just a little bit because we need to look at the second phrase in this verse, the ruling all the nations, and the portion here is uh, in a rod of iron. And I think that, uh, Lana, have you got uh, some things to share with us on that tonight? Basically, did you give everybody one of those? Basically, it's the same thing. I have looked it up in the Septuagint and in the Hebrew and in Greek. Um, the, the, the same, it's the same word as in Psalms 2.9, which is what they're quoting here. John is quoting. It's, it's the same word. In some translations it says to shepherd instead of rule, and in some versions it says staff instead of rod. Uh, other ones will say scepter. They all, it's all basically the same thing. I looked in Young's and Strong's and uh, uh, whatever, whatever else I was at here. Um, and they're all basically the same word. They're just used differently, I think, in just different um, uh context, but when you look at, you know, what what, what got me was when you were, were looking at the, the verse that says, his rod and staff comfort me. Yes. 
There's the two words there, rod and staff, in the same verse. Oh. And I was thinking, okay, well, there's got to be a difference. Why would they say a rod and then a staff? Comfort. That's what uh, Psalms 23, 4, something like mm-hmm. that. So they're... But they're basically, like if you, if you take them to one way, it, it can mean comfort, it can mean a support, uh, and another way it can mean, um, you know, figuratively sustenance, or, you know, um, it can mean a, a baton of royalty. There's, but it can also be, mean uh, punishment. You know, a walking stick. It's just all over the place. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. So it, it kind of depends on the the context that it's in. There's even a couple of places where they'll use the same word for clan or tribe. Oh. It's as it, the basic word is stick or branch. So that's why they consider it. You know, as it can be a clan, a tribe, a walking stick or it can be something to beat you with, uh-huh. you know, they use it different ways. So there you go. Well, I think that's good. Now, saying, now see if I can put together what I, what I hear being said here um, in this verse. <clears throat> so she gives uh, the woman who is in what I've suggested to you is the, is the uh, tribe of Judah gives birth to a son and this son was to shepherd um, with the idea of ruling or having a standard tending the nations and where that drives me is to a little different view here on the nations than what I would have suggested before. And I think that I'm going to pause now and go to Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, and talk about the nations. <clears throat> I also looked up nations and rule and shepherd and got some some words there. Uh, rule, in in one instance, is the same as shepherd because it means to tend, yeah. uh, you know, a flock or a herd or people in a, in a way. It's to provide for, uh, to lead, to cherish and defend. Uh, nation is a multitude of people living under a common uh, institutions can mean uh, uh, tribes or ethnic groups. Mm -hmm. And then the, what was the other one? Shepherd and, oh, rule, yeah. Rule and shepherd were pretty much the the same word also. And that's about the same, I, um, same thing that I have, the the rod, um, a wand or a staff. This, this, Bollinger's has it for chastising as a possibility. But it is a scepter of authority and office. And then the word for rule is the same as you've said too, to tend a flock or herd, to provide for, to lead, to cherish, to defend, as well as to feed. Well, now that... That's what I'm saying. All of that together, what Lana has just said, kind of throws me into taking a new look at the word nation. And and here I'm going. To, I'm just going to go back for this. I want to just read two passages, this passage and one in Matthew, and you tell me whether it makes sense or not. Um, we may be off base, but look at verse one. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. Abraham is 75 years old at this point. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will speak well of you. I will bless you. I will make your name, your character, uh, your uh, entire disclosure great. 
and you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse, and in you, in you, all the families of the earth or all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I think then that's right. He is, um, uh, if the nations are, are referring to uh, the nations from this standpoint, then it would be very easy to see why he came, he came to his own. Isn't that right? John 1, 11 maybe. He came unto his own and his own people received him not, but he came to be their shepherd. And notice in Matthew 23, taking... Can I ask a question yeah. first? What's that word, families? Mm. Yeah. Can we see what that, that is? Yeah, that's a good suggestion. Well, the word nations is just ethnic. You know, how, uh-huh. our, use, our use of the word for ethnic. And... Uh, Families is a different word, but let's let's. Um, there you go. We got it in Hebrew. Mm-hmm. A class, a species, sort of, um, a tribe or people. Yeah, but it has the idea. And and you had mentioned um, a definition there that included uh, a group of people um, somewhere. Yeah, a group of people who were ruled by the same institute. I think. There you go. Like that. That's um, that's what I was taking off on there, <clears throat> and then over in um, Matthew. Uh, Matthew, I think that is twenty twenty three. And verse 37. <clears throat> and he has just about, in the previous verse, 36, Truly I say to you, all these things of which he has been talking about now in chapter 23, all of these things will come upon this generation. Uh, we all know how that's broken down and defined. Jerusalem, Jerusalem who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together. I think this is the expressing the shepherding effect of Jesus' desire to come and shepherd his people. I wanted to gather your children together the way a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were unwilling. Your house is left to you desolate. Um, so if he if he is the son who is coming to shepherd uh, the nations that are enwrapped in the promise, and he's going to govern them with a staff of iron. That is, it's definable. It's it's rigid in that it's something you can put your hat on. Um, it's not uh, changeable. <clears throat> David, again, uh, um, getting back to you know where we are in Revelation, the churches or the people reading this letter would be very clear what a staff is and what that means because you know of Moses. And when I went, all of the words that you guys to describe used to describe what the rod is puts me in mind of something I read about Moses, except shepherding. I don't recall him ever shepherding with that rod, but he did everything else with it. Mm-hmm. And so that leads me to my question. Did Elijah have a rod? Because I don't remember reading about Elijah having a rod. I don't either. And I don't know the answer to that question. But that physical stick 
that was that was very I mean you know obviously it was it was you know uh, just an instrument for the power of God you know but people could see that it is something that people could see and they recognized it and it's still a symbol of authority the, the word they recognized but he didn't rule with anything he ruled in the that rod of well, his, this is another his, case of, of John symbolizing, yeah. isn't it? Something that the people were familiar with. They, rec- they recognized the word and not that there was a physical rock. That's right. So is it is it possible then, um, Lana, is this in agreement with how you visualize this verse? Uh, Judah gave birth to a son which was who was Christ, and of course we realize that Mary is the, is, was going to be the mother. But she wasn't isolated, you know. She she was of the tribe of Judah. So that's um, <clears throat> and we and there's more evidence to I think that as we go along here. But so she gives birth to a a, a child who is going to uplift. And uh, to me, the key is in that word male there, which isn't here. It's the word to lift up. He was the one to lift up, and so lifting up as a shepherd, as a shepherd. But a shepherd rules. He rules where the sheep are. He rules where they go. He keeps them in food, and he protects them with that staff from the lion and from the bear. All of those things are what a shepherd does. And he is shepherding those people who have a common bond here that he came to shepherd, who either is speaking of those of that time or uh, possibly those uh, who are the recipients of what Christ came to do. And there's a point there that we'll discuss at some other point too probably as we go break this down further. But he is shepherding all of those, not all the nations of the world, but those nations that have a common, what was the word you said, a common bond or a common... uh, Ruled by common institution, I think. Common institution. Yeah. That applies. I think it does. Yeah, that applies well. And uh, and then and then that little phrase there now takes on a whole d- little different trend, doesn't it? How would you how would you uh, how would you guys uh, read say that? We're just talking about 12, verse 5 now. Can somebody uh, expand on that any further, or is that it? So what's the conclusion? What's the summary? Well, I, I mean, can can we enhance... Enhance the summary at all, or is that adequate? <clears throat> and we talked about if if that's enough, why then we can go on. Uh, then we talked about the child was caught up to God and to His throne, and we had we read last week uh, Daniel seven. Can we, uh, look up um, Isaiah eleven four. In the in the inner language. Four. Isaiah 11.4. All right, we're looking up Isaiah 11.4. That doesn't ring a bell with me right off. Well, I have a note here that says symbolic element of messianic rule. And there's several verses I've got here. One of them is Isaiah 11.4. I was just wondering what they said there. Okay, the rod of the earth and he shall smite. Okay, the wicked. And, and here, but that's a good point. Uh, with with the rod, oh, this one says, and with the rod of his mouth, and with the spirit of his lips. Do we have that? And we don't have that in the Septuagint, do we? Yeah, I tried to look up the Septuagint too, and it's kind of hard to find. And I don't think it is on our Bible program. If we have the same one that. Is here. No, we had it, but it was just the uh, Hebrew, I think, not, yeah. not a translation. <clears throat> this verse—that's an excellent—that's an excellent verse to put in there. Um, 
there's an Exodus and Jeremiah too, but you know the first one that came to mind here was the Isaiah one. You want to look up some of those as well, but this one has a little it kind of does what we're been talking about uh, with with this. Uh, he will strike the earth with the rod, and he's talking here in this one about the rod of his mouth. Oh, that's what it says up there too. And with the breath or spirit of his lips, he will slay the wicked. Um, so that's the other side of the rod. It's not just the, um, you know, that's what the shepherd used the rod for, was for both uh, protecting and for uh, destructive uh, against those who would violate that protection. So... And the breath, I'd like to see that in the Septuagint right now, but we don't need to look for it. The breath of his mouth, I think that you'll find that word is uh, the word for spirit. Okay, what was the other verse, uh, Lana? Yeah, I'd like to look them up. Okay, we, don't other, have a, we don't have a way to, I don't think. The so. other one is Genesis forty nine sixteen. Genesis oh, yeah, okay. 49, 16. Dan shall judge his people as one of the tribes of Israel. I'm not sure just how that one fights. Don't know for sure how that one fits in. And I have Exodus 28:21. I didn't look these up, so I, they were a reference, so I just jotted them down. Yeah. All right, let's look at uh, Exodus 28. Very definitive. The righteous and the wicked. Yep, very definitive. That's what that's what shepherding is about. Yep. Um, did you see verse 21, Lana? Yes. The stone shall be according to the names of the sons of Israel. Twelve according to their names. They shall be like the engravings of the seal, each according to his name for the twelve tribes. I'm not seeing. I'm not seeing it. There. No. Is there something? Could it be the tribes? The stones. Where do you want us to go on that? I don't know. I don't see it there either. Do we have the right? Do we have the right context? Twenty-eight, twenty-one. I've got it under a symbolic element of messianic rule. Oh well, okay. And it must be included in there somewhere, but I don't know. Yeah. The other one is Jeremiah fifty-one nineteen. Let's, you know, let's, let's take a look. To, let's go to Jeremiah. This verse does work for that. If you just take a breath and read it again, um, how do you see that, Nolan? Because their names are like a seal. I mean, that's 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 a pretty profound thing to say. <clears throat> like the engravings of a seal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can see that. 51.19 of Jeremiah. Um, oh, there you go. My weapon. Mm-hmm. Wow. You, you are my war club, my weapon of war. That's what I have right above that. You know, it's an instrument of warfare and oppression. Okay. And then symbolic of messianic rule. We're talking about shattering here, too. There you go. There And shatter the nations, and I will destroy kingdoms. Uh, That takes it back into the original view of the nations. Look at that. He's shattering everybody. Yeah. I will shatter young men and youth men. I didn't want to put that word old in there. <laughs> I will shatter the shepherds. 
Oh no, I don't know. Don't want to do that. How about how about the uh, wood bear? No, no, no shatter. Okay. <laughs> oh. By name. Yeah. Ah well. So you you know the big picture is that we're getting a lot of symbolism here. And no, we may not always know exactly what sim what the application of the symbol is, but we know how it all has to be squeezed within the time frame of the Book of Revelation, and and so it may have um, you know some things that um, we may not be uh, you know code it's code language. We may not be able to decipher the meaning of all the codes, but we know that it's fitting within the framework. And uh, in this case, it's referring to Christ, and uh, and He's to rule all the nations uh, that are uh, and and the ones that He's are the ones that He is ruling are all the nations of you know Acts chapter two. Every nation under earth were there in Acts chapter two, and of course He was there ruling them as a what was the other word for rod to the staff. Um, all of that uh, certainly refers to, can refer to the church uh, being um, uh, inhabited with all the representations of the nations on earth. <clears throat> so I think I think that it's all there. Any questions then? Uh, then, oh, oh. Uh, what, what does what does he mean by her child was? Okay, well, we went we went to Daniel. Let's go to Daniel and review that um, as the background for that. Daniel uh, seven and verse thirteen. <clears throat> and now we you know we don't have any time picture here about when these things took place. We, we uh, you know, whether they're close together or far apart as far as, you know, the time frame of the book or not here. In this verse, we simply have she gave birth, what he is to do, and then at some point in time he was caught up to God on his throne. And that's what's explained, I think, anyway, in Daniel chapter 7 and verse 13. I kept looking into the night visions. So here we have a vision as well. And behold... With the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming, and he came up to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion. So that's referring to the ascension and uh, his positioning. His approach. His, to his approach to God. I just was confused by the verb. It's being caught up. Yeah, and it's the same word that's used in other passages, well, the other passage or two, for... Um, uh, raptured. He was ra- the apostles were raptured. He was raptured at the ascension, and it and uh, then Peter on the day of Pentecost. Remember from Acts chapter two, uh, he's quoting uh, David, and David was speaking of one to be raised up to sit on his throne, and uh, David said he was speaking of what event? The resurrection. This event. So what, this event was this this event is is describing what's going on in Acts chapter two. Yeah, demonstrative pronoun. This is that. Of course, you know the ascension, uh, the resurrection, and the ascension are you know they're forty days apart, but they're all grouped into one event. Okay, so we got to we need to cover one more thing tonight, and that's in verse six. Uh, we're not going to quite get to verse chapter lesson four. It looks like that was good, good information, good background, and um, yeah, thank you, Lena. I'm very, very glad. That's that's what makes a class to me. Um, so I want now I want you to go to Matthew 24, and in verse, but according to verse six of our text. Then the woman fled into the wilderness. Now, who's the woman again? Judah. Judah. Now, let's see if we can plug into that. Remember that. Fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God 
Uh, we don't know necessarily where that is, but we're going to get some clues so that there she would be nourished for 1,260 days. Now, that fits everything that we know about, and folks, there's more on that. We get down to verses 13 and 14. Uh, we have the same occasion in verse 14. But we don't need to go there. Let's just stay with where we are now, because otherwise we're going to run out of time. Go with me to Matthew 24. You see why they can't do this kind of stuff in college? Because they have to they have to meet a criteria of time. They don't have the freedom of time that we have to explore all of these little, what well, you know, little idiosyncrasies or little rabbit trails, as Merwin calls them. Um, they just push it forward at some time in the future. They are just yeah, and and you know they don't deal with the specifics. They can't get caught up in it because they haven't got time. So that's one of the disadvantages of our system. So what, if we can get our young people to grow up with this stuff, then when they get to that age, they've got it. Because you don't get it in a Bible college back uh, setting. You don't need the milk. Yep. Yep. You got it. All right. 24. Matthew 24 and verse 16. Let's begin with verse 15. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place. Now, who who is he making reference to now? He's making a reference to Daniel. Who's making the reference to Daniel? Christ. Christ is. Jesus is. And he is telling them that when you people to whom I'm speaking right now When you see, you're not in that you. You can't be there. No matter how you cut it, you just can't be there. You know why? Because as it says in verse 34, Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. And we read the same thing in chapter 23 and verse 36. So in, squeezed in between there is this. Jesus is talking to his audience. He's saying, you people are going to see the abomination of desolation, whatever it is, and it's going to be the same thing that was spoken of through Daniel the prophet. So we look at Daniel the prophet and how he describes it, and we say, well, that doesn't, doesn't matter. But you see, it's written symbolically, and he's telling us here, that when you see it, it's going to be the same thing that was spoken of through Daniel, even though he may describe it differently. Just like when uh, when um, Joel described the day of Pentecost, Peter pulls Joel into the scene and says, what Joel was speaking of, this is that. But in Acts chapter 2, he doesn't describe everything or give us Uh, definitions of everything that Joel talked about, Peter just groups it together and he says, all that Joel talked about, this is it. What you see is it. You know, we we get so bound up in the um, literalizing all the prophecies that we don't see the fulfillment. And Peter gives us a great example of that in Acts chapter 2 for both Joel and his quoting of David. And he points to us to the principle of what they were talking about. doesn't get caught up with all the fine details because remember prophetic language is, is as symbolic language is to engender an emotion to evoke feeling and passion. Or That's even to render an understanding. To render an or understanding, render. but it's code language. You know, and it's meant not to be understood by the folks to whom it has no relationship to. Even this verse here, where the writer is 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 encouraging, is is pointing out, stop, take a breath, and understand what's being said here. Yeah, that's right. Christ didn't say, "Let the reader understand." 
No, but the uh, but uh, recording but Matthew it did. did. Yeah. To me, so, that's profound. Yeah, it is. Because it's like, this is like, wait, this is a really important here, okay? Are you with me? Yeah, let's make sure that's right. Let's, let's make sure. Can we do that? I would love to, 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 to see what, how that breaks down. Yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's, um. Oh, it is in the original. And I wonder why they didn't, why they took it out of what Jesus said. Well, probably because Jesus is not writing it, and it's in, yeah, it, it's yeah. a, it, that's right. So the author is saying, "Whoso readeth, let him understand." Yeah, it's just part of the recording. Yeah. So you know, I just wanted to verify that it was that way in the original text. I had looked at that before, even in the Greek. So yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's great. And here, and here, what somewhere? Yeah. Okay, so let's go back to then uh, twenty-four. Therefore, when you see the abomination of desolation, which was spoken of through Daniel the prophet, standing in the holy place, and he said, you know, if you're reading this, understand it. That's, that means more than just seeing the words, but get a grasp of the meaning. He is writing to to Judea, right? That's well, that's what we're, that's what he says in verse sixteen, isn't it? Yeah. So, and who, and when the woman is representing who? Judah. Judah. Uh, so, then let those who are in Judea, they must do what? Flee. They must flee. Now, had Jesus ascended to the ancient one in verse 15? No. What? No, 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 I mean, I'm asking the question wrong. You're answering right to how I asked the question. I mean, when the event that Jesus is talking about, would he have ascend, been ascended with the abomination of desolation in the lifetime? Yes, he would have ascended. So the woman had been caught up, or her child had been caught up to God and to his throne, and now, uh, and so here in the text, he is talking about what's going to take place after that has taken place and God is set, uh, Christ is settled in heaven. Now he is saying there is an event going on about which the book of Revelation is encompassing here, and that is the fall of Jerusalem and the destruction of the temple. During that process, let those who are where? in Judea, must flee to the mountains. So the, the woman, Judah, must flee into the wilderness. <clears throat> the wild places. And whoever is on the housetop must not go down to get the things out that are in his house. Whoever is in the field must not turn back to get his cloak. But woe to those who are pregnant and to those who are nursing babies in those days. That's all wrapped up in verse 6 with that word fled. But pray that your flight, your fleeing, not be in the winter or on a Sabbath, for then there will be great tribulation. For at that point there will be tribulation such as has not occurred since the beginning of the world until now, nor ever will. And the only thing that gives, uh, the only reason why people think that the conditions of the world today are going to equal this is because they have absolutely no idea about what's going on here. I think things are going to get tough in this old world. But not for the same reason and not for the same purpose, nor will it be as extensive as it was here, because if it is, then Jesus simply is not worth following. For there will, not, there will be a great tribulation such as has not been occurred since the beginning of the world until now, 
nor ever will. Unless those days had been shortened, 1260 days, three and a half years. No life would have been saved, but for the sake of the elect, those days will be cut short. It could go on and on and on. And this is the same occasion that's talked about in verse 14, but we're not there yet. So the woman flees into the wilderness. Jesus, I think, here is talking about this event that Revelation is talking about. And and somehow, having fled, there was preparation there. This is one reason, folks, why I have a problem with uh, some of the folks who... Um, are um, preterist uh, in that some of them believe that everybody was raptured, all the Christians were raptured. Uh, and my good friend Ed Stevens believes that all, and he's the author of the book, um, many books, but uh, that all Christians were were um, were raptured and. Um, they, I, I don't see that. I believe that, that the rapture is in, in Thessalonians is talking about the very specific group, and that was the apostles. And we've been through that. That's lesson four in this series. Does, <clears throat> does, does faith come through hearing? Isn't that how could you hear it if you don't have anybody to tell you? Well, yeah, it's true. So they, I don't think they got raptured. Well, and they fled to a place that was prepared by God. And Jesus tells us where that's going to be. They must be. They must go to the wilderness. So why would they bother going somewhere if they were going to be raptured? And they came back. That is the that is the thought that went into my my mind. Is that it just occurs to me when we talk about these things that one could devote a lot of time to trying to figure out who got raptured and who didn't. And and then and then if you found out somehow absolutely for positive sure, what would you have? What would you have gained? Nothing. I mean, of substance, except yeah. for maybe historical fact. Well, I think that it brings the end of the age of revelation. Brings, it brings about the end of the apostolic age and that the, the apostles were united, the dead and the living were united in the rapture. They had to be raptured prior to the fall of Jerusalem and all be there together because of what reason? What were they doing? They're going to be a part of Jesus' parousia in judging the 12 tribes of Israel. So they've got to be in position. You see what I'm saying? I do. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Thanks for that. That was that. That was uh, because that's worth thinking about. It is. Well, ponder that. And uh, folks, our time is up. Uh, do we have any questions? And and she's going to. And anyway, God is going to care for them. We don't know how. We don't know in what way. He doesn't tell us the modus operandi. He doesn't tell us that at all. It just says that in some way, while they were out there, because they have been obedient and fled where the trouble was, they're going to be preserved for about three and a half years. And they were. And we'll talk more about that uh, when the time comes, okay? Any questions? We didn't get a lot covered tonight, and yet we did. Um, Two verses for three weeks, that's pretty good for us. Yeah. <laughs> good. <laughs> and uh, my, is Kay on board tonight? I, I didn't see her. Okay, well, we're, I'm, I was going to just say hi to her, and uh, who I don't know who else is I, on. I think Tanya was on. Oh, was Tanya on she's too? Still oh, and she's still on, okay. So, hi, Tanya. Hi, Kay, if you're there. Uh, Sharon, if you're there. And Dan, or anybody else that's on there, why, uh, glad you were with us tonight. And we'll not be back for a minimum of two weeks. But don't fail to check in. Great things are happening, and you want to know about it and be a part of it. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for uh, this time that we've dedicated to studying this book. 
and trying to get a handle on it within the time frames of the book itself. And may that help us to be assured of the inspiration of Scripture, that our confidence may continue to increase in your word. May we incorporate the ideas that are true into our daily living, into our thinking, into all of our actions. In Christ we pray. Amen.
Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.